Christmas pictures? Anybody ever try that? Parents, grandparents, sometimes a bit challenging, you could tell maybe by the energy levels up here is to try and get them together for that. There's a few more. Just uh, trying to get that perfect shot that reflects the season. Maybe that is what reflects the season right there. Here's, here's uh, wishing you a peaceful Christmas from the Kimbros. Chris and Suni Dalton and Mason. Here's another one. I just like this one. Dad trying to get the kids in costume and united there. Here's one more. I thought... Uh, Enjoy a little uh, Christmas party spirit. And uh, this is ours from this year. And we took the grandkids down to the creek and shook them out a little bit. And, uh, but, you know, there's, there's uh, when families come together, here's what maybe you would say is the, when I looked at this picture, it's kind of like the, the classic perfect Christmas picture. And almost everybody's looking at the camera and almost everybody's smiling, maybe the little ones, but to get that many people together and have them all cooperate, I, I just thought that was miraculous uh, after doing this for a while with family and all. But I bet even in a classic Hallmark family photo, there's, there's lots of stories within that group. You think so? And I'll, I'll bet within a family like that, people have traveled far I bet in a family like that, there's still challenges, there's still seasons they're enduring, there's diagnoses they're enduring, there's different challenges, maybe in relationships, there's financial challenges. And on the outside, everybody's smiling. On the outside, everybody's together. But on the inside, maybe even at Christmas, there's some things that remind us that we still need a Savior. Are you with me this morning? And who, who gets invited to Christmas anyway? Maybe there's people that were in that family that weren't invited to show up that morning for whatever reason. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I think about the original Christmas story, here we are back. This is a Polaroid taken by the Bethlehem BC camera, 3 BC, of uh, uh, that first, first Christmas night. This is the first Christmas photograph. And you see here, who, who gets invited to Christmas? Who did Jesus announce his coming to? It wasn't royalty. It wasn't the Pharisees, the religious elite. It wasn't the neighboring kings that had so much power and so much history as rulers, as those that have might and strength. Who, who did he reveal himself to? It, it was to shepherds. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Because the people he invited to Christmas were a lot different than maybe some would have expected for the Messiah, the king of the Jews, the, the future prophesied reigning one. Who, who would he first reveal himself to and who would he invite to the first Christmas photo? Well, some... Debate about there's a little debate about the, who these shepherds were and and history has a little couple different things to say but when you think about the job of a shepherd many that trade that was passed down from family lineage to family lineage 
So if your grandfather was a shepherd, there's a good chance your father was a shepherd. There's a good chance you would become a shepherd and your identity would be around the sheep. Your identity would be around taking care of them. Your memories, your thoughts, your daily activities would be around the smells of the sheep and caring for the sheep. And that's, that's maybe how you thought of yourself in a lowly role and maybe not a very significant role. But it's yet to them that Jesus came and he announced his coming. He announced his birth. I like this picture. If I don't know how well you can see it, but it's, it's the shock on a guy's face. Is, here these multitudes of angels show up and they're, they're singing from heaven. And, and we've heard this story so much. Can you even imagine what it would be like? You're out in the field. It, it's maybe a cold night. You're sitting around the fire. And it's not just lightning that shows up. It's a multitude of angels. And there's this sound coming. And you're thinking, what the heck is this? You have very little, no paradigm, except maybe some things you've heard in synagogue concerning even his coming, and the night air is rocked by the sound of a heavenly choir, and, and here these, these angelic beings appear and begin to give you and announce to you, your Messiah has been born. Now, there's some that debate that these shepherds were special shepherds. There's, there's some work that's been done and historical work. There's there's a fellow even started in 1899, or I think he wrote in 1899, Alfred Edelstein, and he wrote on the life and times of Jesus the Messiah. And this is what he said concerning the possibilities, these shepherds. He said, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. That was settled in scripture with conviction. But equally so was the belief that he, Jesus, was to be revealed from Migdal Adair, the tower of the flock, it's called. Migdal Adair was not the watchtower for the ordinary flocks, which pastured on the barren sheep ground beyond Bethlehem, but lay close to the town on the road to Jerusalem. A passage in the Mishnah leads to the conclusion that the flocks which pastured there were destined to be temple sacrifices, and accordingly that the shepherds who watched over them were no ordinary shepherds. They were specially trained and purified shepherds. Who would inspect and either certify them for use as sacrifices in the temple or designate them to be released for common use? The new lambs would, according to some sources, even be wrapped in special cloths and swaddling clothes once they were certified. The biblical arguments for the theory of Migdal Eder cite the fact that the word translated manger in the Gospels could also be translated as stall or any holding area for animals. And so the opponents or the proponents of this theory say this out of Micah 4.8, And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come forth. Even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. Who was invited to the first Christmas picture? They were shepherds. But some of these shepherds, as this story might bear out, were people that were in waiting. People that understood for a long, long time, grandfather and father and now me, we're preparing temple sacrifices. And, and so much so that we have to have an understanding with this lamb that we're going to sacrifice. Is, is he pure? Is he kosher? Is he, is he unblemished? Would he be acceptable to God? The, the Genesis story they, they read even told of the original sacrifice where one was accepted and one was rejected. And so they're mindful of the sacrifices they're bringing into the temple. 
And the Lord invited those guys. The Lord invited those that were seeking, looking forward to, that those that had been faithful in their service. He invited them into the, uh, the first stable, the first Christmas story. But another author reminds us what Jesus came into. He says this from Desiring God. Advent means Christ invades where the preparations are incomplete. You'll be tempted to first warm up the barn with space heaters. Don't. You want to sweep out the soiled hay and the mouse droppings. Don't. Don't roll out a comfortable controlled mattress or a fluffy pair of feather pillows. Don't disinfect the walls and floor with an aerosol fog of Lysol or Febreze. Don't set up a crib with fluffy dolls and cotton onesies and baby powder. Don't fill the bathtub with warm water and soft suds. When the Savior draws close, there's no time to clean up the mess of sin. He comes not to place crispy wrap boxes around a cleanly decorated tree. No, the Holy One lands unexpected in the middle of the stench of our lives. Aren't you glad He comes to messes? Aren't you glad he just doesn't show up when everything's perfect and everything's wonderful and everything's great? Aren't you glad we have a Savior that, that recognizes our need, even in our smiling family photos, that he sees beyond that? And he sees what you and me really need on the inside, the change we need, the help we need, the hope we need, the faith we need, the strength we need. Anybody with me this morning? And so... He, he, here's what the, the angels proclaimed. And the angels said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for what? All the people. Say all the people. He was thinking about you and me back then, all the people, for unto us this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, is born this day in the city of David. What? Say the yellow with me. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Aren't you glad he's a Savior? We break down that word Savior, and those who have been around a while know this. It, it, it comes from a Greek word, soteria. And, and this is, in ancient literature, with the idea of soteria meant. It meant a, a beneficent force that guides our development, helping us to reach the desired end of psychological salvation, integration, and happiness. In other words, this is how the, the Greeks would interpret this idea of soterion, a Savior. They would say it's somebody coming... A benevolent person coming, and they're going to guide us forward. They're going to deliver us what we're in, and they're going to guide us forward into what we're to become. And we see the picture of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We see the picture and the idea of a Savior. He's a deliverer. He delivers us out of sin. He delivers us out of destruction. Scripture says, without him, we're marked for wrath. Without him, we're called children of the wicked one, children of the devil. I know that's uncomfortable for some, but before Christ, without Christ, that's what your label is. You're, you're outside of the covenant of God, and he comes as a savior and comes into our life as we welcome him in, changes our destiny from darkness to light, from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God, and then he begins this process of changing us. Aren't you glad for that, church? Man, when I saw the sky this morning and Pismo Beach, and we, we woke up. It was so eerie. It wasn't a little weird, you in the five cities. And the windows, there's a little blue line around the horizon, and so the windows looked like they had LED lights in them on the homes on the hills, but the sky was dark, and I thought, maybe I should go preach on hell today or something. I mean, it's just like scary, or Armageddon or something. I don't know. It, it was just scary looking. 
I'm glad I have a Savior. How about you? And uh, so, so here's another word. Just a little more idea about soteria, and we'll move forward. It means to rescue or to bring to safety physically and morally. It means deliverance and health and salvation. It means saving, the idea that we have been saved and we are being saved, but in the future we will be saved, we'll be delivered into the next kingdom. This idea that we have a Savior was good news to the shepherds, and it should be good news to you and me. Amen? And the shepherds returned. This is their response. And the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The other reminder we had when little kids praise, when little kids worship, just a reminder that you and me can't lose that. We've heard this story so many times. We've experienced Christmas over and over and over again. But I'm just challenged every year not to lose the praise of Christmas, not to lose the thanksgiving for what it really means to you and me. Are you with me, church? And so even when I hear little kids sing joy to the world, it sparks it again in me. That Christmas is about joy. Christmas is about good news. Christmas is about no matter what we're dealing with, we have a Savior. Amen? So in closing, let's just, let's just look at a couple of these characters here and what, what might be going on in their life. This, this guy on, on the side here, his name's Jack. And Jack returned last year from four years in and out of Afghanistan. It's his first Christmas back and. It's been a horrible adjustment. Life is so different now. His, his best friend was killed by sniper fire, and his old friends have moved on. He still jumps to the sound of loud noises at night, especially the thunder. And Jack's fighting depression and asking for guidance. He got a taste of hell in the Middle East and knows life can be short and judgment is real. And Jack knows he needs a savior and a deliverer. He's been reaching out for answers. And scripture said, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called what? Wonderful Counselor. Aren't you glad we have a counselor? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many know there's a Savior for Jack? This this other girl here, lady, her name's Nora. She's got stage three colon cancer. She was supposed to start treatment immediately, but she chose to go celebrate Christmas with her family. The love of her family is stronger than her fears, and her faith is being strengthened by their support and their stories. This is what Jesus promised, the, the, the Savior she's looking for. When evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were under the power of demons, and he sat and he cast out the evil spirits with a word. And read the yellow with me, and he restored to health all who were sick, exhibiting his authority as Messiah, so that he fulfilled what was spoken, the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our infirmities upon himself and carried away our diseases. Nora's looking for a savior. Amen? This young man, his name's Troy, and he works at, he's worked at the tractor manufacturing plant for 16 years. Now all the machinery is being transitioned to new types of fabrication with new software, and he's falling behind the new guys. And for the first time ever, he got an unsatisfactory job evaluation. Fear and lack of confidence is taking over. He has been an arrogant, self-made guy his whole life with no need for God. But now he knows he needs help. His father-in-law is pointing him to Jesus. 
Jesus promised this, or the scripture does, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it'll be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. There's a promise of a Savior who gives wisdom. Aren't you glad for that? Scripture said he's been made unto us wisdom. Jesus has been. And that we can ask and receive wisdom in difficult seasons of life. And so to you that maybe are going through life and you're self-made and you've been able to figure it out and maybe you find yourself now in a tough place of having to choose, a tough place of decisions, a, a, a tough place of the challenges of transition, and, and, and maybe even feel that sense of lostness, that your confidence has, has drifted. There's good news for you. There's good news for you. He's been made unto you wisdom. You can ask him. You can receive him. You can receive strength from him and insight for him for the transitions of life. I understand what that's about right now personally as well. Amen? How about these three wise guys? Larry, Moe, and Curly there. Well, Armenian tradition identifies them as the Magi of Bethlehem and one, Belshazzar of Arabia, and the other, Melchor of Persia, and Gaspar of India. And, uh, you know, the, some of the Christmas story, the tradition has that they all showed up on the day, the same night, that first Christmas night. But we know from uh, Matthew's gospel that they came much later, and they didn't visit Jesus in Bethlehem. They came to Jerusalem. But, but who were these guys? Well, in Daniel's time, it's about five, uh, maybe 600 years before Daniel, the, the people of Israel had been in bondage. They'd been in slavery in Babylon. And with them were ancient writings. And guys like Daniel would talk to these magis. Essentially, these magis, they, they could, that word magi translates as sorcerer. They could have been involved with witchcraft. They've been involved with the ancient arts, calling on demon forces to do their magic. And the, these magi, they came under the influence of the children of Israel that were in captivity. And I imagine through that interaction generations ago, the children of Israel, guys like Daniel, would say there's a Messiah promised. Actually, Daniel wrote about it. He, he wrote of the prophecies of these kingdoms that would come in the different seasons of life. And, and through that interaction and down through generations, there was promise that there would be a Messiah coming. So they're from a foreign culture, yet they see a star in the sky. And they remember the stories passed down by great-grandpa and grandpa and their fathers, and, and they remember this sign, and they remember that there would be a Messiah coming. And so they traveled miles and miles and miles, and probably historically there just wasn't three of them. There was a caravan carrying all kinds of supplies. But they came because they heard that there was a Savior. They heard that there was somebody coming, a guide, beyond just their natural demonic abilities. There's, there's a higher coming. He's from God. He's from the Almighty One, and He's able to save and deliver and to help and to heal and to show you, reveal truth and not the counterfeit that you've been holding on to. And so Scripture says they made the journey and came to Him, and when they came, Scripture says they worshiped. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is He who has been born King of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and what did they come for? We, we came to worship him. And so different seasons of life, different things that are going on in your life, one thing I hope you got from our children worshiping this morning and their song about adoring him is that our response to recognizing, our response 
to receiving, and again at Christmas time, remembering who He is to us, that He is Savior. Our response should be to worship. Our response would be to come before Him. Our response should be a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving that no matter what you're dealing with, our, our Savior can help, our Savior can deliver. Here's, here's probably the last gal I'll talk about, and we'll call her Loretta. Two years ago, she ran off to Florida with her high school boyfriend, and they got pregnant, and life got really messy. And her boyfriend split, and Loretta came home full of pain and full of shame. She played Christian for many years, but never fully committed her life to Jesus. But this Christmas, she prayed for a fresh start. Her pastor said, Jesus wants to turn your mess into a message. And she started to believe him. And lately, she's been reading Mary's story. See, th this gal here, the last time her parents saw her, she was about eight months pregnant, and she was leaving town on the back of a donkey. And there were rumors swirling as she talked about an angelic visitation. So she bailed out to her cousin's house for a season to save her parents the shame of neighbors, but many kept their eyes on God's divine purpose in her life. Loretta knows she needs a Savior and a Redeemer, and this is the first Christmas in many she's reunited in feeling the acceptance of her family and the Heavenly Father. Mary chose worship over worry, and now Loretta is doing the same thing. She joined the Christmas choir this year. And this is Mary's response. This is Mary's response. I choose to worship. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And she called him. She said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And she's looking at the baby. And she's saying, I rejoice in him. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Encountering her Savior. You and me encountering our Savior, it should lead us and inspire us what? To, to worship. So life is messy. Doesn't matter who you are in the family picture. Doesn't matter the smile on your face, and all of us go through times, all of us go through challenges, all of us have circumstances in our life, and I hope, especially this time of year, that you're just reminded that you, you have a Savior. Amen? Tell your neighbor that this morning. You, you have a Savior. And it, and it doesn't matter what we're dealing with today, there's hope. Amen? There's help. There's help. There's deliverance. This is what Isaiah prophesied. I love this passage. Who has announced this from the old? Who has long since declared it? And this is God speaking. Is it not I, the Lord? And there's no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There's none except me. Turn to me and be saved, he says, and all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there's no other. Man, what a powerful promise through Isaiah. He said, I'm a righteous God and a Savior. There's none except me. Turn to me and be saved. Turn to me and be saved. I don't know what your, your biggest issue is this year. But starting back from the very beginning, they, Jesus came as a Savior, first of all,
to make us right with God. Scripture says our sin separates us. It puts a wall between us and God. And many of us have experienced that wall. It's because he's a righteous God. He declared it in that passage. There's something about him, even on my best days, and the whiteness of my soul compared to his indescribable glory, I I would look like filthy rags in comparison to the glory of the Lord. And that, that our own righteousness, my own good works, trying to come to God based on my accomplishments, my achievements, the things I've done, the mission trips I've taken, the money I've given, and, and trying to approach God on my own righteousness, Scripture said it still is filthy rags. It, it, it might count for things. It might count for changed lives, but it doesn't count for my salvation. I couldn't purchase it myself. That's why Jesus came. He came and bore your sin and my sin on the cross. And now he said, just believe, just believe. Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders, came to Jesus at night, you know, the t- Nick at night. He came and, and, and he, asked, he, he asked Jesus, what must I do to be saved? How, how does this work? Jesus says, you got to be born again. And his question was intellectual, or his response intellectual. How, how can I do that? I can't go back into my mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus said, no, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. you got to be born of the Spirit. How many remember experiencing that when you said yes to Jesus? Something changed. How many, how many remember? I, we were talking this week. People that, a couple people were telling me, I remember the instant this weight was lifted and like this hope came and the, the shame in that, I, I just felt it go. And some of us have experienced that instantly and some of us have experienced it progressively as we've walked with God and let the process of that sanctification work in us where the old is replaced with the new. And I I just pray this morning that your response to the Savior and your response and your invitation, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, you're smiling in the family picture, but maybe you would say, Jesus, I need help in my marriage. Jesus, I'm smiling, but I have no clue how we're going to get through this next season financially. And I acknowledge I I need a Savior. Jesus, the diagnoses are piling up, and I am smiling, but on the inside, I know I I need you as healer. So this morning, I'm going to worship. Lord, this morning, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to declare your faithfulness. I'm going to affirm again this morning, Lord, that you're able to deliver, that you're able to change my circumstances, that you're able to get me from here to there. If you don't know Jesus this morning, and if you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, I challenge you this morning, Christmas 2017, it begins with a simple prayer. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he promised you'd be saved. It it comes down to believing and trusting And trusting him as the one that sent to save you and me from our sins, to change our destiny. If you've never received him this morning, I want to lead us all in a prayer, and then we're going to worship, and we're going to close. But just just all together, let's just pray this prayer. Can we do it? Can you say this with me? Heavenly Father, I recognize that you sent Jesus as a Savior, my Savior. And I confess to you my sins. I ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me. Jesus, 
I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for giving me a fresh start. Thank you for causing me to be born again. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me a new creation. I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen.